0: And Luis Fernandez in the house. WRL Sports. No Joe Giglio.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: You know, typically, when there's two Cubans on the radio, it's my dad that's involved. Yeah. So here we are, two Cubans on the radio in the studio. Wow, I love it. I love it. It's, it's history in the making. The, the Cuban flag inside of me is waving. I'll put it. Uh, I'll put it in the radio baby book. <laughs> Uh, so we got plenty of things going on today, but we'll obviously start with the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday afternoon on the island. The thing is, Louis, this, this is a team that can be frustrating when they lose, but at, in the back of your mind, you know that they're absolutely capable of bouncing back. They've done that all year. They're yes. a very resilient group. I mean, there is a different conversation to, have, to be had about attrition with talent, mm-hmm. but in the time being against the Islanders, they keep finding guys who step up. So the legend of Mackenzie McKeckern was born.
1: Great name,
0: by the way. Amazing name. An amazing name. And Antti Ranta, who we always worry about his durability for three games, has been pretty outstanding, all things considered. And now they have a 3-1 series lead with a chance to wrap this thing up at home on Tuesday afternoon. Again, you can be frustrated with them. You can be mad at some of the things, how they play out, kind of giving in to what the Islanders want to do. But then they bounce back, and it makes you love them again, and that's what Sunday was about, especially in that second period.
1: Well, that's that's what the whole point of like a playoff series is supposed to be, right? The, mm-hmm. the highs and lows, the emotion flying around. Thinking one one second they lose five to one, and you're like, oh no, here we go again. Oh, I got mad on Friday, man. Yeah. I mean, it
0: could also have been the fact that I had a few in me, but I got mad on Friday night with the way things absolutely melted down because it, it almost felt like I think it was a twofold issue. The first one is you could start to see. They were fortunate to win game two, but that's been the canes all season long. So whatever dramatic. Very it's a very dramatic team. Absolutely dramatic team. But you could see where the sins of last year could be creeping up into this year. Mm-hmm. And the way that the Islanders were like, fine, we can't beat you straight up, so we're going to start being jerks. Mm-hmm. We're going to start being physical. We're going to start doing the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to get under your skin. Stuff that rattled them against the Rangers last year, and eventually they lost that. And kind of played with their food with Boston in the series mm-hmm. before that. So I thought to myself, okay, I can. we know what game three is going to be about. And sure enough, the Islanders executed that to a T. They were pains in their ass. The Canes could not take advantage of the opportunities for them. Um, and again, it's it's very typical play as you mentioned. It's playoff hockey. The home the team coming back at home down to nothing. They're gonna have a bounce back game. Yeah. That's what they're gonna do. Yeah. So all eyes were on Sunday. And they responded. And I'm like, all you can do is tip your cap to the Canes and say, yep, that's what you've been all year. That's really impressive and now you can buy yourself some time with a win on Tuesday in Game 5 as these other series continue, especially the Rangers and the Devils, because if the Canes have more attrition in terms of bodies, that's going to be a huge issue. So it would be nice if they got a little rest going into the next series.
1: You need to if, – if injuries that are going to you know, knock people out are, are going to be the issue, right, mm-hmm. when you, whether it be the ones in this series, whether it be the ones in the regular season, you, you need to make sure that everyone who is on the ice is as healthy as possible. So yeah, don't play with your food. Take care of business. Mm-hmm. And, and and end this early, and then let you know the Rangers and the Devils go at each other. That was the whole point, the whole reason for not the whole reason for winning the Metro, but that was one of the main things. Oh, was a huge reason why. Exactly.
0: Yeah, they're, they're the of and Gilio and I have talked about this in terms of the Islanders of the playoff group. The Islanders are not the best team. No, they. they, they I mean, congratulations, you made the playoffs. So good, yeah. but of all the teams that you're playing, they're the perfect first round opponent. So take care of business. And I know I got some pushback about this online. It's fine. It's whatever. I still stand by it because it's sports. They hadn't won a road game in the playoffs since June 3rd, 2021. That was game three against Tampa Bay Lightning. It was the only game they won in that series. Lost it in five. And when they lost on Friday, I'm like, all right, it's now a thing. They haven't won a playoff game, and if they don't win on Sunday, it's really going to become a thing. And Brendan Moore is going to get really mad at all the questions about not having one on the road. Is that playing with you is in the back of your mind. I know he answered some questions about getting that off his chest. He's like, I don't think about that stuff.
1: Yes, you do. It's human nature. Exactly. Exactly. That's how people work. I mean, I remember I was at the uh, the availability uh, outside of the airport on Thursday, and he a question was brought up about you know comparing this team's team to this year's team to last year's team, yeah, or the one before that. Classic coach speak. The oh, you know, we we don't think about that one year at a time. You know, this team is different than the other group. Blah blah blah. But if if they had not won that game mm-hmm. three all the, oh my gosh game four mm-hmm. the pressure that would have been on then and then let's say you take care of business at home and then you have to win on the road you know what i mean like or you maybe you drop one and then you have to win on the road against the islanders again fortunately they're not in that position they yeah. they got the proverbial monkey off the back mm-hmm. So now you just got to carry that forward and don't you know rest on your laurels if you will it's
0: the og that's Luis fernandez wral i'm joe ovias Gillio not here today he'll be back tomorrow Uh, And again, I know it's not a popular opinion to bring up the fact that they hadn't won a road playoff game. The way I looked at it, had they lost yesterday, then Game Five's pressure would have been. Everybody would have been talking about the Islanders. Everybody wants to talk about the Islanders in terms of how some of this playoff coverage has gone on. But (laughs) all of last year and how they went to 7 and eventually lost to the Rangers was going to mess with this team. Rod Moore, the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. Focused on Ronta, though. I mean, again, he was spectacular in game, uh, game four on Sunday. Kept this team in it after a pretty weird first period and allowed the Canes to really take off in the second period. Again, he made some outstanding saves. Here's Rod on Ronta's performance.
2: I know you guys love talking about the goalies, but it's just give us a chance, keep us in the game. And that's what he's done just in uh, you know, all the starts. So, you know, good on him, that's for sure.
0: So that was Rod Britnan absolutely right. Give us an opportunity. that's what Ronta did and then speaking of opportunities, you've got Mackenzie McKeckern taking full the full opportunity to make it uh, to make this playoff debut known in the absence of Jack Drury who went out with uh, with an injury, although I think he's going to be available for game five. Here's Rod if you had some sort of inkling on McKeckern's ability and what he did on on Sunday
2: Well because I watched you know last few games of their season and because you know you just never knew we were shorthanded so I'm like what if we need a guy and he just jumped off the page so that's why I say he he earned the call up number one but then you talk to their coach down there and I talked to Brock this morning and he's like it's a no-brainer this guy will help you so it kind of it's nice when the guy who knows him the best is like and I know he's gonna endorse his player but and he also knows we need, you know, we need help. And uh, so it, it was easy decision.
0: An easy decision, he said. <laughs> so this is from ESPN Stats Information. McKeckern had a goal and an assist. He is the second veteran player in NHL history to score a Stanley Cup playoff goal while making his debut, excluding rookies. The other was Bob Hess of the Sabres back in 1981. Wow. You weren't, you weren't even born yet, Lewis. I was not. I was I was <laughs> yeah, I was, was so I. far
1: from being born.
0: <laughs> I was uh what was I? I was 2. I was 2 at that point in my life. Anyway, uh, it's the OG. So we'll uh we'll continue on with the Can's conversation a little bit later on. We'll have a 2 minutes uh, from Adam Gold. I know that Gold did talk to McKeckern earlier today. We'll bring you some of that conversation a little bit later on this afternoon. If you miss anything from today's show, check it out on The Best of the OG Podcast. You can also check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash the subscribe button. Get into the draft conversations and hate our opinions, apparently. It's draft week, man. It's finally here. It's, thank God. Why you don't you don't love reckless no. speculation and trying to see
1: if somebody's running a smoke screen? When when we no, I I do not. When, when we get to the point of because it happens every year. When we get to the point in the the draft cycle where it's like one kid, you're like, hey, I'm pretty sure this kid is the worst human being on the planet. That's C.J. Stroud is the victim of that this year.
0: Yeah, C.J. Stroud, and it was all based. That's how I know this is a lame draft. Yeah, because the worst thing that could be. I don't even, concocted around C.J. Stroud was a Brady Quinn throwaway line on a podcast about the Manning Passing Academy and whether or not he went. I don't even think that was true. No, based on the response to what Brady Quinn had said, it doesn't look like it was true.
1: Brady Quinn. Something about quarterbacks from Notre
0: Dame. Yeah, that might come up today. We'll see. With our uh, Panthers top 10, bottom 10 draft picks. Of all time. But, yeah, the Panthers have the first pick in the draft on Thursday. All indications are it's going to be Bryce Young, which we'll get to a little bit later on as well, considering that if it's going to be Bryce Young, all right, well, what are the limitations? Because every single one of these quarterbacks has some level of limitation. With Bryce Young, it's it's fairly obvious what it is, and maybe that's why the Carolina Panthers are comfortable taking him number one because they can at least work around that or at least try to work around that. <laughs> Uh, if you miss anything from the show today, check it out on the Best of the OG Podcast or check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. There's so much content on the YouTube machines. Uh, I mean, you got Culture State uh, that Dennis and Chris Lee do, and then you have Triangle
1: and Two. Triangle and in Two, indeed. New episode coming out in uh, an hour and 32 minutes, 42 minutes, yeah. if I can do math. And you guys just passed 4,000 subscribers.
0: We did. We did. Wow. That's, it's a lot of begging. It's a lot
1: of begging. It, it doesn't matter.
0: No, like seriously, every day on the radio I'm begging Ring that bell to subscribe Smash to that. Smash that subscribe button. And then we incentivize it by saying we'll do something dumb every time we cross another thousand. Yeah. So uh, we had mayonnaise and coffee. When we surpassed 4,000 subscribers, I'm not quite sure what we're gonna do when we get to 5,000 subscribers, but we got time.
1: The content I gods know. will bestow an idea. Yeah, upon something, you. Something, something will happen. Something will happen. Will Levis will, will drop will... something else.
0: <laughs> Jeez, apparently, he ate like a banana with.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's gross. With the peel on. With the peel on. It was like, it was super unripe too. Like, yeah, there no, was no, no. barely any yellow on it, but it's fine.
0: Maybe we'll get you to just bite straight into a plantain. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, a that'd green be, one. That would be that's not, nice, not a ripe one, just a straight green one. Just break my teeth. Yes, that's maybe that's what we'll do at five thousand. We'll, we'll start incorporating uh, everybody else here at the radio station, I like at WRAL. So the the Tar Heels. It's funny, last week, Lewis, we got a question from an NC State fan to Mm -hmm. ask about Kevin Keats and the moves that they've made in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. And he said, hey, if you were to describe what Keats is cooking, what would it be? And I said fajitas. Mm. Because there's a lot of sizzle, but that doesn't mean the fajitas are going to be good, but it's certainly drawing attention. And Julio was like, yeah, you know, when somebody orders fajitas, everybody's looking. In the restaurant, like, oh, somebody got fajitas. It's kind of what State did. Yeah. Meanwhile, North Carolina is rebuilding their roster under Hubert Davis, mm-hmm. and there's been no sizzle. It, no. I would not describe it as fajitas. No, okay, which is good, it, which is
1: fine. That's yeah.
0: maybe that's what they need. Yes. They, I don't, I don't know what kind of food it would be. Maybe if we're sticking with a, a Mexican restaurant theme, he's just getting a burrito, man. Yeah, like it's just low key, and it's gonna deliver. Hopefully, we'll, we'll cut into it and see what happens. Yeah, it's a, good, a very good point. So the, the pieces they've added are exactly that. They're just, they've just been complimentary pieces. But they added somebody this weekend from Stanford through the transfer portal that has people intrigued and maybe gives a better idea of what the Tar Heels are doing. Harrison Ingram, coming from Stanford where he averaged uh, 10.5 points and 6.2 rebounds in two seasons at Stanford. He's a former McDonald's All-American, a 2021 McDonald's All-American. His stats are not going to, like, wow you. But when you dig a little deeper, you find out from usage rate and from his assist rate, it's starting to make sense what Hubert's trying to
1: do. Yeah. He's, 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 you mentioned this before the show. He's, he's complimenting the stars that are there. Yes. Armando Baycott, RJ Davis.
0: Yeah. If you had any data as to whose team it was yes. going into the season, it is Armando and RJ straight up. And the moves that are being
1: made are to compliment that. Well, and it's, it's, when you, when you watched UNC basketball last year, yeah, obviously there were, there were a lot of, you know, Wild shots being taken, there are a lot of interesting decisions being made, but so often everything was just so stagnant. Mm-hmm. There was no movement of any kind. It felt like you're like why is, why is no one running a set? What's going on here? like everyone's just kind of standing still and Harrison Ingram, you mentioned the assist rate that's one of the things he brings to the table is he's he's more of kind of he's a small forward type, but six seven, two thirty. But he likes to have the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. He likes to operate uh, in, in a way where he's facilitating the offense. He's not the best shooter by any means. He's he's not bad, but he's not great. it's sure. like I think it's like thirty percent, thirty one percent from three. Mm-hmm. But having the opportunity to just be a complimentary piece, I think is going to be huge for him. His I mean his usage rate was like almost twenty five percent, which is which is wild. Again, don't I'm not going to act or pretend that I watched a
0: lot of standard bird basketball. But <laughs> those those who did will just tell you that Ingram found himself in a bad spot where he was carrying a team, and that's yeah. where the usage range comes in. So, it's a, again, it's a change of scenery. It's a fit. What's your role on this team? And, then again, that gets back to clearly what Hubert Davis wants this team to be, a team that is predicated on Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis – and I know a name that's been kicked around. I know uh, our friend Cheryl McMillan over at Inside Carolina. I saw Field of 68 point this, out as two, point this out as well, that if you're looking for Ingham's potential role, people keep bringing up Theo Pinson mm-hmm. back in 2018. Yes. So what, what was Theo Pinson doing in 2018?
1: Well, he was essentially operating that kind of point-forward type yeah. role where his athleticism was crazy, but he was he was fitting into what his role was, helping to facilitate that offense, taking the shots where needed, Playing good defense, doing whatever he could uh, to essentially be the glue guy, if you will. Now, Harrison Ingram is not Theo Penson, so I think everyone should <laughs> just take take a deep breath. From
0: a, a Tar Heel favorite, will he will he crash press conferences?
1: I, something tells me he will not. Okay, I just want um, to double check those those moments uh, live in my mind forever. But no, I, I so maybe not you know the direct comparison, but it's that type of role which I think is something that this Carolina offense in particular has desperately needed. Someone else who can facilitate. Someone else. Who can take the pressure off of the primary ball handlers? Let R.J. Davis, on occasion, go find his shot, go mm-hmm. do his thing, um, instead of trying to have to be just the straight point guard the entire time. Complementing more of what that team has, I I think that's going to be really big. If he can, he doesn't have to be out here averaging like six assists a night type thing, but someone who you know has a great assist to turnover ratio, who facilitates offense and does not let things stall. Mm-hmm. That's what Carolina needs.
0: So, right now, uh, the additions to the Tar Heels have included – I mean, it it got off to a little bit of a quiet start with Paxson Wojcik. Now, that's, like, a fun story because Doug Wojcik was an assistant. There's, like, a picture of Paxson as a baby at the Smith Center. Now he gets, like, to replicate that. Okay, cool. Uh, so, he's coming over. He was at, uh, what, Brown. Yes. And then that was followed up by Jalen Withers. Louisville, again, another complimentary piece that can be on the wing. And then I think things started to click. Things started – the light bulb started to go on for people when it was Cormac Ryan from Notre Dame coming yep. through. Now, here's a guy who can shoot, mm-hmm. but again, a complimentary piece uh, that's going to work within whatever offense that Hubert Davis wants to run. Also, and Gilio brought this up last week when we started getting an idea of what this team was going to look like. It could be possible that the the lineup opens up a little bit, too, a little bit more of a rotation that we didn't see. And who's to say that a lot of that didn't have to do with the fact that, hey, Caleb Love needed those minutes to go along with R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. So, if you have everybody understanding their role, you might see almost, I don't want to liken it one for one for what Duke did, but you'll remember Duke last season ran through a lot of different lineups, some of it, for, some of it because of necessity, because yeah, of injuries. injuries. The other way is just how John Shire wants to run that team. Have everybody step up when they need to step up. That could be what Hubert Davis is trying to do.
1: And and to me, that's like one of the biggest question marks about about Hubert just as a coach in general, right, is how does he continue to uh, handle and manage just rotations and and depth minutes like that. So to me, because, I mean, you look at everyone who left. I know there's a lot of, oh, so many people left Carolina. Mm -hmm. Well, so many people who did leave Carolina were coming off the bench were those who were not getting those extra minutes necessarily that I think anyone in college basketball nowadays would, would be wanting uh, at a program like Carolina. So I, I think that's, that's really going to be, is key, right? Is, is what do these players, it's great, you know, having someone like, you know, uh, Paxson Wojcik or, or Jalen Withers come through, but if they're not playing, then what's the point? Right, right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that.
0: I don't know if, we don't know what Hubert Davis is no. coaching style or because there's a transitionary piece here. And it's one thing that I was screaming in year one when people were mad about Hubert Davis and the record not really being great until they went on their run. Obviously, we know the rest is history. And people were very upset about how last year played out because he didn't really do the things he said he was going to do in terms of the rotation and depth and everything else. Uh, and they kept largely making the same mistakes. But again, I viewed that as a carryover of a group, a core group, that Roy Williams had brought in. So I looked at it more of the group than I did the coaches, mm-hmm. that this group had not lived up to the hype. At some point, you do have to put the onus on the players. You have to be careful about it. They are sure. college players at the end they're, of the day. They're
1: you know, but kids.
0: there was enough data on the group to kind of understand what they were, because it wasn't like they were great in Roy Williams, Roy's last season. No. Okay? So I've been screaming, let's just wait to see what this program looks like when it's Hubert's guys, when he really has a say in the roster. Now, I know what the the pushback on that is. Well, didn't he recruit these guys into Roy Williams? Y'all, Roy's the coach. Exactly. Okay? They're coming to play for Roy. He might have been instrumental in recruiting, but ultimately, it's Roy's guys. So, we'll see how this goes going forward. But, as with all things Transfer Portal, you have two things that I always keep in mind. The first one is, let's wait till the roster shakes out. I think we've seen that now. we got an idea of what UNC's trying to do. And then the second part, your guess is as good as mine, man. (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine. They might hit. They might not. No. And if you thought recruiting was a little bit of a crapshoot, so can the transfer portal.